1: Hello and welcome to Out of the Fog. I'm Karen Hager. Each week at this time, we gather for spiritual conversation with enlightening guests, and I'm glad you're here. We spend darn near a third of our lives asleep, and yet more than 164 million of us struggle to get sleep at, one, at least once a week. And of course, you know, on this show, and when, when I say us, I usually mean me, right? I struggle to get sleep, don't you? And in these difficult uh, turbulent times when anxiety is running super high healthy sleep is something that more and more of us are chasing well Molly McLaughlin is my guest on today's show she used her background in psychology and human behavior to dig into how to solve this problem and now she's dedicated her life to sharing the forgotten skill set of sleep are you ready to meet her? Molly McLaughlin is the creator of Sleep is a Skill, the company that optimizes how people sleep through a unique blend of technology, accountability, and behavioral change. The company was born from scratching her own itch after a lifetime of of poor sleep habits culminated in a lot of problems. I'm going to ask her about that in just a second. She became fascinated with chronobiology and, by extension, the practical applications to restore a state of homeostasis, not only to sleep, but also to life as a whole. You can find out more about Molly and her work at sleepisaskill.com. Molly, welcome to Out of the Fog.
0: Oh, well, thank you so much for having
1: me. It's a pleasure. Thank you for being here. So we gotta start with like the place where it all came crashing down, right? So how did you get so deeply into this? What happened?
0: Yes. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Start where it all began because, um, yeah, essentially what, how, how my interest and really what became, um, a real passion for me in this area of sleep was because I was dealing with some of the, you know, the most maladaptive ways of handling your sleep, um, you know, certainly for an extended period of time. So what that looked like was for much of my life, um, you know, relating to myself as just a quote unquote bad sleeper, you know, or a night owl. And, you know, it was, that's just how it was for me. That was kind of the narrative. Um, And yet it, it, I didn't relate to it as much of a issue until it just continued and continued on. And as I got older and added more stress as an entrepreneur onto my plate, um, you know, the, the tendencies got more extreme. So then I was going to bed, you know, as, pretty much like the sun was rising. And, you know, since I could make my own schedule, I could adapt and ebb and flow to to all, of, um, to those ways of being. So I was really like, you know, working a night shift pretty much. Um, and that was just how it was and no big deal was how I related to it until it reached a real tipping point. And I went through a period of insomnia while um, actually traveling because I actually was able to take my business on the road, um, you know, and work from my computer. And so started traveling and bringing jet lag into the mix. And at that point it was just, okay, like, you know, the the habits that I was enacting then um, could no longer sustain that type of variability. And it really came to this crashing point. So what I got to experience was this time of really what life looks like without sleep, you know, consistently for, you know, this was, this happened basically for a few months um, and how, and, Essentially, what I was left with was a couple things. One, just without sleep, just life just doesn't work. Like the workability there, all the things that I need to be responsible for and handle were just not um, handleable, if that's a word, right? Uh, So so what was really, really a blessing, I didn't realize at that time, it didn't seem like there was any blessings there, but uh, in retrospect, in hindsight, it actually ended up being an incredible thing because with, you know, sometimes in life, it seems that you have to reach kind of that rock bottom moment to really make a change that will you know last um You know, last long for an extended period of time and become a new part of your psychology. And so, what ended up happening was, you know, taking some of my obsessive nature that I'd already had, that probably was part of you know that hyper aroused state anyway. um, Putting that and channeling that into how can I really transform this in a natural and sustainable and empowering way? Um, So, so that actually brought about this whole quest. And you know, I tried. Just I did a lot of doing. You know, I on my website, just a list of all the things that I did, you know, hypnosis and talk to this person and breath work and you know, right. And so some things worked, some things didn't, but ultimately what I became really, really intrigued about and actually ended up shifting the course of my life was um, this concept of chronobiology, which is really the science of time and how that impacts your physiology, um, as well as how to enact something called circadian rhythm entrainment, which is you know just fancy series of words to look at. Um, how we can set up our, our days so that we're supporting our nights. Because when I wasn't sleeping, I was really attacking my nights. And I make the argument that sleep is a skill that if you are really addressing your sleep, when you're getting into bed, what's likely is that you're a little too late, you know, so just get comfortable (laughs) instead, you know, we have to really look at our days, um, in a lot of ways. And so we can get into what that looks like, but, um, it's really, really a fascinating area of study. And, you know, so for Biologists have been looking at this for many years, you know, it's it's but of course, but for the mainstream, we're only now beginning to get more, you know, tricklings of this information in more recent years. You know, just 2017, the Nobel Prize went to three guys looking at, um, you know, some of their breakthroughs in this concept around circadian rhythm uh, or, or circadian rhythms and how that impacts our physiology. So there's a lot of exciting new information coming out in the world of sleep. And I do believe that we're at this point where we're kind of going through this sleep renaissance, if you will, where more and more people are beginning to get um, on board with that this is an important area. And particularly during these times that we're in right now. So why is sleep so important? What What is it that's
1: happening while we sleep?
0: hmm. So why sleep is so important, you know, even I think it's really interesting to look at this from um, kind of a, almost an anthropological perspective on sleep is something that, you know, largely we've done you know, so for thousands of years, we had particular ways of sleeping and they were connected to the rhythms of nature, sunrise and sunset really intimately. We were much more connected to um, outdoor environments versus how we are now. And so there was a particular uh, way of sleeping that occurred then versus now. Um, However, even with all the advancements and all the things that have actually, you know, uh, taken a bit of a hit on our sleep time duration, what is consistent is that sleep is still so fundamental that it hasn't been You know, we haven't found a way to biohack out of the need for sleep. It's still Mm. very important. And yet, you know, it's actually it does uh, bring the argument of why is this thing that we do such uh, to your point, you know, a third of our lives, arguably um, that why haven't we been able to um, cut this out or like really diminish it? And if we can, from a um, anthropological perspective, then it's likely very important. So what we've deemed so far, because uh, there's still a ton of questions in the world of sleep, um, but some of the things that we've gleaned as really important are, um, and this is something that's, you know, getting a lot of press uh, currently is this new discovery in the world of um, something called glymphatic drainage and glymphatic drainage is, you know, you might've heard of lymphatic drainage, but lymphatic drainage is this, um, kind of drainage process that happens in your brain each night. And that's typically during slow wave sleep. So deep sleep, um, that's kind of the first stage that most of us go through when we first sleep. And when we go through that process, what is so ha- important about that is that that's a really crucial flushing system of flushing cellular, waste, um, and something known as amyloid beta um, and these you know, kind of neurotoxins out of our brain each night. And so why that's getting a lot of attention is that now we're starting to see when there's an inadequate um, uh, kind of systemology of that regularly, then when that is missing, then what we start to see is um, some really interesting correlations between that and neurodegenerative uh, issues and diseases in the future. So things like Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, dementia, um, and how those can be correlated with sleep deprivation. So that's just one thing that happens um, in sleep. But then there's also, you know, the regulation of, you know, cardiovascular health. Um, there's cellular repair going on. There's, you know, your liver's doing what your liver's got to do. You know, and there's all of these things, all these processes that we might take for granted that are occurring in there um, during that, during that time of sleep. And then also, even as we go into REM sleep, um, you know, some of the important functions of our brain and, you know, memory and cognition and mood, um, all those things are, you know, occurring as well as hormonal, uh, balance and maintaining that both, you know, from, a you know, cortisol, melatonin, some of those key markers, but then also, you know, if you want to even get into keeping trim and fit, uh, Uh, Leptin and ghrelin, which are appetite and suppression um, hormones, all of those are put at odds. Immune response. I mean, there's just the list is really, really endless on the, the processes that are occurring when we're sleeping. So someone listening to this with an anxious nature, and I think I mean yes. me, yes,
1: has sure. just, <laughs> I just have now heard all the reasons why my messed up sleep schedule is messing up my life. What am yeah. I like? Because now I, my lymphatics aren't draining and my <laughs> leptin, and my, now I'm in big trouble. What, so how am I going to turn this thing around? So what do we do? It's important. It's absolutely vital. And yet we, we are not sleeping anxiety keeps us awake are the you know what I mean we're on Facebook till three in the morning and there's all these things that kind of where we deny ourselves almost the opportunity to sleep and then punish ourselves for not sleeping
0: how do we turn this around what are we going to do Such a great question. And, you know, so certainly when we talk about the importance of sleep, you know, our intention isn't to, um, you know, drive fear into an already anxious kind of a planet at the moment. Um, (laughs) However, to instead um, impress upon us the importance of the prior um, prioritizing this area in a way that I think is, you know, you could argue that there could have been especially in years previous, a narrative that, um, you know, if you're going to cut something in your calendar, you know, maybe you, you cut into your sleep time more than you might your workout time or what, right. Like there's, there's been these allowances for the cutting of sleep and maybe even in years previous, like a badge of honor, um, that, you know, that shows your commitment to things and what have you. So instead I'm really grateful that I think that that narrative's beginning to have some holes poked into it. So even just one, the mindset and the, the commitment and the declaration that this is important um, to begin to make a difference is in is huge. The second thing, um, and it's why I named this company Sleep is a Skill, is because I really truly believe that in our modern day society, sleep has become a skill set. And you know, again, back harkening back to those hunter gatherer days, if you were to make that argument, you know, back in the day, it would likely land on kind of deaf ears because, um, in a lot of ways, while there was other troubles with sleep back um, in that period, uh, what was more likely is a really strong, robust circ- circadian rhythm. And what that looks like to underscore this the importance of this circadian rhythm. Um, circadian rhythm for humans is really just, you know, that we run on this 24-hour, around 24-hour schedule, and we're diurnal creatures, so we're kind of meant to be linked up, uh, be active during the day, and sleeping at night is largely the concept. Now, of course, in a modern-day society, there might be a lot of deviations from that, and we might see people working at night, and, you know, um, or just kind of delayed sleep onset and going to bed, you know, after the latest Netflix series is done, or what have (laughs) you, Um, but but, but so now if we come back to this concept that in our modern day society, sleep has become a skill set. I'm basically making the argument that since post Edison, essentially, like once we were able to extend our days via faux light, you know, so electricity, what we began to see was a real shift in. Um, the management and structure of our days. So, if you think about it in the past, largely what would happen is post sunset, you know, besides like a bonfire or a couple candles or what have you, most of us were linked up and dependent to that, those rhythms, and we would largely be going to bed shortly after. Um, That sun had set and yet now what we're experiencing is very much the norm to be up until, you know, midnight, popcorn, wine, watch a movie, whatever. And it's not that odd. However, um, in. In the running and management of our circadian rhythm, it can there's there's a lot of um, concepts that that could actually be doing more harm than we're realizing. So what do we do about it? What we do about it is um, look at something called circadian rhythm entrainment, and really what that's looking at is what are the most important external things that can make a difference on. Um, really the management of our time. uh, We have these master clocks, basically we have one master clock in our brain and the super nucleus that really keeps us on time. So what is it that, what are some of the biggest hits to that area that um, keep things aligned? And the first one. So if you really get nothing out of this podcast, get this, that the first one is light. So that's one of the preeminent, the, the most important thing that you can do to structure your sleep. So how does that look? So one of the, um, the habits that you can bring about quite easily, and I think can be really a healthy psychological, um, you know, habit to bring in during, you know, lockdown and pandemic times is you're getting, so when you first wake up, you're getting as much of a hit of, of light and particularly sunlight that you can get, Um, for at least around 20 to 30 minutes is what we're really looking to aim for. Now, the reason that that's important, it's known as um, something called sunlight anchoring. And sunlight anchoring is just a practice where um, that helps to actually share to to really enlighten your body um that this is the time that now we are suppressing melatonin because the light is a cue and so it suppresses melatonin so that we're no longer kind of the groggy in the morning you know when the, like you wake up and you're just like why can't I wake up it's you know there's could be a lot of reasons but one also could be you know that you're still kind of um uh, secreting melatonin in a way that we don't want to be cultivating so that light provides, you know, kind of an off of the fountain of that uh, or the faucet. And then instead it enacts um, cortisol in a healthy way. So we're trying to really balance those. So that's one practical way that you can start to bring in that heavy hit of light, because then believe it or not, when you get that first hit of light in the morning, that helps orient almost like a master countdown clock to when you'll be getting sleepy later on in the evening. So back, you know, in my example, when I was, you know, mismanaging my sleep, I would be going, um, I might not even be going out into like the outside world until the afternoon. And that would be my first shot of real light. And that mm-hmm. is very confusing. And what you're doing when you're doing that is, kind of giving yourself your own self-created jet lag. Um, So really what we're looking to do is bring in some of those same prescriptive measures uh, that we would do to correct jet lag and bringing that into our day-to-day life more regularly.
1: What are some other things that we can do? Because I love, I love that you're suggesting instead of starting when you lie down and you close your eyes, you're like, I'm not very good at sleeping. I'd better do something about it. Instead, I'm starting now when I wake up in the morning, I'm going to have that light. Right. I'm assuming that I'm going to move my body, that I'm going to, right. I'm going to be, do something physical during the day. What are some other things I can do during the day to set myself up for that good bedtime?
0: Yes. Such a great question. So, um, so if we look to that circadian rhythm entrainment as our guide, then, so we know that first element of light is super important. So we continue to get as much light as possible throughout the day. Um, and then uh, connected to light is also darkness. So then what we want to ensure is that, um, and the more attuned you start getting to your kind of light environment, you'll start to see, oh, my goodness, like I'm really not getting that much total darkness um, on a regular basis because many of us aren't. You know, ma- I make the argument that we're lit- living really in a dark, deprived society so that what's possible is to begin to bring about a bit more darkness. So when the sun sets, you know, we really consciously shift over our lighting so uh, part of the problem with our lighting environments is that a lot of them, we've moved over to LED, these um, light, you know, kind of efficiency uh, bulbs. And they happen to, many of them um, have a higher percentage of blue light present in them and sometimes some green. Um, so with that, that acts as a cue to suppress melatonin. So instead, what we can do is actually can make it really fun, like a lifestyle and, you know, really um, embracing some other um other ways of lighting your evening. So whether it's, you know, starting a nice little fire, some candles. Um, Also, you could, if you're not interested in trying some of the biohackery, like red lights, then you could also do... um, incandescent bulbs, which have a more, so it's almost like Edison bulbs. Mm. Um, So very dim lighting like that, make it like romantic, you know, like kind of in a, in a nice uh, restaurant or something Um, and make that a bit of a lifestyle and notice the difference that you'll feel in your body. So that's one. And then, so you got your light, you got your dark, then it's temperature is one of the next ones. So for many, many years, uh, the cue would be temperature because most of us would be living outside. Not like, you know, now it's, it was even before the pandemic, it was argued that most of us are spending at least 90% of our days inside. And now I'd make the argument that many of us were spending even more than that. So yeah. it's from that place, we're really living like kind of zoo animals. So we're not getting those cues that we used to get from when the sun would set and we get cold. So that, that chill was another sign to produce melatonin. Um, as it coupled with darkness because melatonin is known as the hormone of darkness. So what you're looking for is to cultivate cool and dark um, evening experience there. Um, Then so that temperature now, if temperature is really important in circadian rhythm entrainment, then in alignment with that, what are some other things that will adjust your um, your body temperature? And a couple of them, you already hit on it perfectly. was movement. Um, So that can really, you know, heat up the body in a, in a, in a really positive way. So just, you know, being, mindful of where you're putting that, um, in your schedule. And then the other one that's some, uh, you know, I certainly wasn't connected to how much of a difference this made in my sleep, um, was actually meal timing because for many, many years I would barely eat throughout the day. And then the bulk of my meals would come late in the day. Um, and so with that, I wasn't conscious of the impact that that was having. On my body because to to digest it's actually quite taxing on the body and it warms it up in quite a substantial way. And if you do that prior to bed, again I already mentioned the popcorn thing. I used to have such a ritual that at nights I just I would have some sort of like something to eat, you know. And I would Mm -hmm. do that right before bed, you know, regularly for many many years. Um, Un unbeknownst to me, the uh, a lack of awareness that that was actually raising my body temperature while sleeping because now instead of dealing with that glymphatic drainage we talked about and all the other things that the body is meant to do, growth hormone production, all kinds of great things, instead it's also having to deal with digestion, uh, which you know, it takes a lot of uh, energy to then to put that pressure or attention on that while sleeping, so that would actually detract from my uh, sleep quality. So then you've got the meal timing and being really mindful about that So one of the things you can do is something called circadian rhythm entrainment, and that's looking to keep your meals um, as close to within the realm of sunrise and sunset as possible. And I know, you know, we have to be a part of a normal society, too. So like how to how to do that. But, you know, really looking and to be mindful um, of the hour by which our last meal that we're having is so that we can help support, um, that healthy glim- lymphatic drainage and then just quality sleep in general. Um, and then another part that's actually really interesting to consider, um, you know, so there's a couple things are something called, um, that social jet lag that we kind of alluded to that self-created jet lag. Uh, so social jet lag is known as a actual term as it relates to that our. um, our calendar and our, you know, relationships and people that are important to us, how that can skew us from a consistent sleep schedule. Cause in all of this consistency is really King in the world of sleep. Um, so many of us, what's very common is to, um, have a pretty consistent s- sleep schedule. Most of the maybe the work week and then the weekend comes and then, you know, it deviates granted we're in a extra special time right now, but even so, you know, what we're seeing for many people is, Oh my God, I'm skewing later. I'm going, to bed later I'm you know overthinking I'm this that and the other um and so what happens with that is now our body is getting thrown off and not only is are we dealing with our own self-created jet lag but we're also dealing with metabolic jet lag because mm. then it's looking like your um your all that meal timing that we just spoke about often if you then are sleeping in a bunch of extra hours then you're going to move everything else out too um so all of those things can really um can wreak havoc in ways that we're only just beginning to understand the impact and even just on our mood and how we feel can really take a hit when this is, uh, acted on consistently. And then the other interesting thing to think about is our thought timing. Um, and the, the idea that thoughts can actually warm up our body is, can be really interesting. Um, there's actually products on the market, like one's called ebb and, um, it's like a little headband and it's meant to cool down your prefrontal cortex because what they find is when people are really anxious at nights, um, they find this overactive prefrontal cortex activity. And then the, the, that activity heats up the brain in a way that keeps you stimulated and it can be harder to fall asleep. So it's oh really gosh. trippy to think about how, how our thoughts are actually that powerful. So we want to get... Yeah, it's really interesting. You can look at, um, they've got some interesting studies on that. Um, and you know, so from that, then it it has a new level of responsibility around our thoughts. And then that's why I, I make this point that a lot of what we need to, what's what the opportunity is, is to take a look at our sleep from a vantage point of during our days. So then really addressing some of these things that are keeping us up at night, you know um, you know, that we're ruminating and stewing about in the evening, addressing these powerfully during the day. Um, And that's, you know, become such a habit Mm. to enact. So there's a lot of fascinating things with this. I love this. Now we are, we have mere
1: seconds to get left. You and I (laughs) word on the street is that you started a podcast. Can you let listeners know what that is and how we can listen?
0: Oh, absolutely. Yes. It's called the sleep is a skill podcast. Um, and it's available all the places where podcasts is, uh, <laughs> are, are found, but also, you know, on our website too, um, it's sleep is And, um, yeah, it's really fascinating. I'm committed that, you know, with each episode, people walk away with just, you know, some tangible actionable, um, insights to make a difference with their sleep. So it's oh. just such an important topic.
1: Oh, I love it. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed talking to you. Thank you for being on the show. Me too. Thank you. That is Molly McLaughlin. Her uh, website is sleepisaskill.com and her new website is, or her new uh, podcast is the Sleep is a Skill podcast available wherever you do your fine podcast shopping. Check out all of that at sleepisaskill.com. You're always welcome over at karenhager.com, a great place to find out about upcoming classes and events and what's happening next on this podcast right here. That's at karenhager.com. And thank you for listening today together we are spreading a little more light in the world and a little more light is always a good thing until next time i'm wishing you peace